Hey everyone, welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson. And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices. Those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing. So we live in a world that truly works for everyone. Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Greg. Good to see I have you. to say, it's good to see you too, and I'm enjoying seeing your purple background instead of the jail cell background that it can sometimes look like. <laughs> it's funny, you can just, it turns out you can make a small perspective shift simply by moving to where you sit at a table. Well, you know, I can't tell you how many levels that that's true on. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't know, like maybe how I'm sure that that's really applicable to um, everything we're talking about. So I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know, probably shouldn't have referenced that, but here we are. Well, this, this will hopefully end up on YouTube. And um, so we can, you know, people can see us if they want. So yeah, but we we've got we've got a, a little bit of a time limitation today, and because of that, we thought we'd dive into deep topics. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I think that's perfect. We we don't really have that much time to talk today, so let's just dive into the deepest thing we can. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that, exactly. that's that's perfect. That sounds like us. <laughs> but as always, let's um, let's check in. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to? You have a, a poll to go first or second? Uh, how about I go first? Um, how am I doing? You know, when we came on to this, uh, time together, Greg, I was actually kind of having a pretty down in the dump sort of day. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, my, that particular place, well, of just the, the downbeat of being a a business owner, you know, that you and Mm -hmm. I are and being self-employed and keeping going in the, the resilience of that. Um, but you know, now that we're talking and we're here and we're connecting, I feel much better. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. my capacity Mm -hmm. still is low. If something goes sideways, I'm, you know, probably at a, at a five, to be honest, maybe Mm. even a four. So glad I'm not Mm -hmm. facilitating Mm -hmm. today, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel up for it. You know, it, it helps to dive into deep conversation and, and be with you and be with myself that way. So. I feel up for our conversation. Yeah, and great. Yeah, so I'm curious, like how you are. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm feeling pretty good. I'm. You know, I'm glad that our connection has has helped elevate you a little bit. I could feel that energy when we first got on, and I could feel you lightening as we've been talking. And, mm. um, you know, and I think it's. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because we we don't necessarily all the stuff that creates those kinds of anxieties. It's not like anything's changed. In right. the, you know, 10 minutes we've been on the call or whatever, but, um, it's amazing. It is remarkable to me just how much, um, connecting actually can open up. So I'll just name that. I'm feeling I've got a pretty high capacity, you know, if mm-hmm. I needed to throw you on my back and, you know, carry you through a firestorm today, I think I'd be able to do it. Um, awesome. so feeling, it, feeling probably about a nine. Wow. And, Great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and glad to be here. And yeah, you know, so, I mean, we've got some, 
we got some feedback um, as episodes have been rolling out over the last little while. And uh, we've, you know, so thank you to folks who send feedback. And, you know, we thought we would talk about that. And as we were kind of setting things up and figuring out exactly what we were going to talk about today, it was pretty clear that the feedback kind of interweaves a little bit with um, of the light subject of trauma story. <laughs> that was something you pointed out, which is one of your superpowers, right? Is to like bring things together and weave them together. So yeah, uh, I don't know if you want to share a little bit more or yeah, where, where do we begin when we talk about trauma story? Well, I think the first thing is what is a trauma story? I mean, what are we mm. talking about? And I know we've talked about it before, but it's been a while. And so it always helps me to touch into that. So, mm -hmm. you know, when I think of trauma story, uh, I think more of Resma Manicum's, um, well, I think of all of it, but his quote, I hope I might not do this quite right because it's not in front of me, but trauma is anything that happens too fast, too soon. Do you remember the third one? And too, too much, I think. Too much. Yeah. And so that can cover so many things, right? So, yeah. I mean, there can be you know, really serious, extreme trauma, you know, that can happen. Um, and then, you know, just being cut off by your dad for your entire childhood, you know, it's mm -hmm. also kind of a part. And so, you know, as those things take shape in our lives and in us, then they, they live in us. And so being aware of that and our trauma, our story about that trauma, how it's laid down in our being, what, it does for us. I guess some people might call it, it's more than just triggers though. I mean, triggers are a part of your mm -hmm. trauma story as I understand mm -hmm. it. So I think I'll stop there and see like what you would mm -hmm. add in or how you think of trauma story. I think all that, um, I do think triggers are, they're what they sound like, right? They're activation points, right? Things mm -hmm. that actually like, activate the trauma that lives within us. I think one of the things I would add is the, um, the, the kind of unique individual trauma story that we all carry from our own upbringing. Um, whether, you know, family of origin stuff, intergenerational trauma that families are carrying. Yeah. Um, traumas that come from particular you know, I think, you know, Gabor Mate, who's a, um, a psychotherapist and medical doctor from um, Canada, uh, actually he's from Hungary, but he lives in Canada and he's written a number of excellent books on trauma. Um, he talks about lowercase t trauma and uppercase t trauma. You know, right. uppercase t trauma is like, you know, um, significant violence against the self um, or, uh, you know, um, yeah, being attacked in some way that's, that, you know, is really remarkable. And then, and then you have the lowercase T trauma, which is more like probably what most of us experience in our lives. Um, almost, I would say everyone, you can't get out of childhood without it. Mm -hmm. So there's that unique individual trauma mm -hmm. piece. And then there's the collective traumas that we share. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of those are wrapped in our positionalities and you know, there's, so, and like you mentioned Resma and one of the pieces of feedback we've gotten over time is like, Hey, sometimes maybe say a little bit more about the person you mentioned. Um, we'd always link to these right. folks when we mentioned someone like Resma in the show notes, but if you don't know who Resma Manicum is, he's a 
He's a black bodied psychotherapist from Minneapolis. Um, he's a trauma specialist. He's written several amazing books, one of which has been hugely influential in both of our work, which is called My Grandmother's Hands, which is all about racialized trauma. Um, highly can't recommend it enough. Get yeah. that book. Um, Listen to all his podcasts and, too. Just amazing. Yeah. 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 He's, he's really a remarkable guy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he talks about the ways in which there's ways in which, you know, we're all racialized and there's kinds of trauma that, you know, black bodied folks have, and there's kinds of trauma that Asian bodied folks have and, and other people of color, indigenous folks, um, that goes back, you know, in this intergenerational trauma, there's all kinds of studies now about the, the way that trauma is passed down through the DNA. Um, and then there's the, kind of trauma that we that doesn't get talked about a lot which is the white body trauma and how folks who are in white bodies are traumatized through the act of oppression and he, he writes a lot about that in that book and yeah. um you know so i think that's you know kind of puts together this huge like um tapestry of yes what, what the trauma story can look like yeah and i i think and how much of it is unconscious also, you know, so part of being in our bodies and feeling things and learning how to regulate our nervous system, which Resma Medicum also provides exercises in my grandmother's hands, uh, so important. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're talking about um, being in conversations around race um, and other things where we just get that, that activation, that trigger um, you know, being able to know that and slow down and settle ourselves and just to be able to understand, first be able to be in your body um, so that you can stay, you know, present and in relationship and have some, I think of emotional intelligence stuff, which is like where you need to settle your body before your rational mind can be online in any kind of meaningful way. You know, mm -hmm. and so often we just can't do that. We go straight to reaction and, you know, harm happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, which is, you know, connects to things like white fragility, which, right. you know, is um, talked about a lot in um, circles where we're discussing race uh, yep. and, um, you know, our own, like our capacities. I mean, it's part of why we, we'd like to do the capacity check-in, right, is, you know, tracking our capacity, like, where are we? And, you know, and are we likely to be able to navigate a trigger, a triggering event? You know? Yeah, or how easily like today's probably a day where I'm more easily triggered. In fact, I know it is I was telling you stories, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> you know my sweetie <laughs> leaves something on the kitchen counter, and I, you know, I lose my shit. So, you know, today is a day where I'm more <laughs> activated and easier to activate. Yeah. And so, it would, you know, it would give me pause. Mm -hmm you know, if I was going in to do a facilitation for sure. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, being able to be aware of all this, you know, and mm -hmm. it ties to some of mm -hmm. the listener feedback that we I think both mm -hmm. of them are coming to mind. One was um, a listener asking us, you know, like they know what it is to be, to be grounded in their body and what it feels like. And they were mm -hmm. talking also about like, be good to talk about, this more like 
you know, what does it look like or what are tips for being grounded in your body? So it's, it's one of those, I so appreciate the question, you know, cause when I stop and mm-hmm. it's like, I love the, how do you know questions as you know, Greg, and it's like, how do you know mm-hmm. when you're grounded in mm-hmm. your body? Cause sometimes I think I'm grounded in my body, but like, mm-hmm. how do I actually know when I'm grounded mm-hmm. in my body? When I'm breathing, <laughs> um, when I'm quiet, quieter, when I'm slower, mm. when my heartbeat is less, mm. when I can get my thoughts together, actually, because, I mean, as you know, as we've been doing this work together, I lose my words and get confused. Mm-hmm. That's another mm-hmm. sign to me that I'm not in my body is mm-hmm. just completely confused. And I'm in need of an answer. Now I'm telling you how I know when I'm not in my body. Mm. It's interesting, right? It's like there's a little fine line. You just, it's easy to slip over into. Yeah. Yeah. you add into that? Well, I'm just, what I'm curious about is like you said, when you're breathing, right? And like, you're never not breathing. I mean, we could hold our breath, certainly. And that's a, right. that's a sign of, that's a sign of disengagement for sure. Uh, chances are we're not noticing we're holding our breath or we probably wouldn't be holding it, but right. Uh, like where I'm am I breathing? When you, how do you notice your breathing? Like, what is it? Where do you feel it? Usually I'm alerted to constrained breathing because my jaw is tight. Mm, okay. um, it's usually my first indication or if I can pause for a moment, I can feel I can feel the shallowness of my breathing and the constriction and the, like, I don't feel in my, there's not a heaviness in my body. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then I know that I, my breathing is constricted and I'm probably in some fight or flight heady space. That's not a great mm-hmm. grounded space to try and reach for another human, you know, another mm-hmm. person, especially if we're like in a moment where someone's, hurting or harmed or feeling missed. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mm -hmm. the slow it down. So when you, when you do feel your breath and you feel like a more grounded breath, where, where do you notice it? For me, it'll show up first behind my shoulder blades. I can get breath back there. I can feel it under my collarbones. Like there'll be a releasing kind of in all my mm-hmm. neck muscles and I can feel it more in my belly. I had a yoga teacher say, breathe in a way that you fill all the sides of your waistband, the front, the back, the sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think sometimes as women, we can be trained to like hold our belly in all the time and be, mm-hmm. you know, be thin. And so I think there's a way in which as I've done yoga and worked with that for myself and other women, like really being able to get the breath into my belly is, mm-hmm. is, is, is hard. And I, yeah. and I can learn, I've learned to do it, but if I can expand yeah. my waistband, that, that helps a lot. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's kind of counter to the, um, the like uh, fashion magazine advice, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of expand your waistband headlines on no but as there should be but there should be there should be expand your waistband (laughs) headlines not in a not anyway moving on how does the breath how does how do you relate to your breath around this 
Yeah, it's a big part of it for me. I mean, it's it's a big part of the grounding process. Um, I I do tend to notice a, a constriction and a holding of breath when I'm when I'm not grounded. I like literally will go. I don't even know what the you know. I'll like be holding my breath and then <gasps> take a big inhale. You know, mm. and like oh wow. It's, and so um, when I'm when I actually get myself into a more grounded state. Um, it's, it's primarily belly breathing. I had similar experiences with yoga and, in kind of like, and I also, when I was really much younger, I trained in theater. So there was a lot of mm. you know work with the, with the breath and, um, but there's a, yeah, there's a way in which the slower, slower breaths tend to be a part of my grounding process. And I use it, I use it quite a bit and I use, um, you know, one of the things we can do with our, there's different kinds of breathing we can do, right? Different exercises around breathing. And one of the things that I've noticed is if I'm activated in my nervous system from, you know, some sort of something that's connected to my own trauma, um, I will uh, try to do a breathing where I'm doing it, you know, like a four count inhale and then an eight count yes. exhale. We're extending that, extending the exhale actually um, activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which, you know, helps to soothe the, the, the entirety of the nervous system so that we can get into a more out of that fight or flight mode into a more, you know, um, space of homeostasis. And mm -hmm. I've actually had that experience. I've, I've done that in like facilitation, right. Where I'm starting to notice, Oh, I'm, I'm feeling out of my depth or I'm feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen here. And it's like, if I can get myself to remember like, okay, breathe, take some deep breaths, a long exhales. Usually it's, it's stable enough for me. It gets me to a place where I can actually be yeah. present, you know, be focused on what's happening. Yeah. I remember a situation we were in where the charge of race entered the room and it was a mixed space. Mm -hmm. And I remember something in my energetic field I mean, I can feel myself stop breathing, but I also, mm. I felt like the whole room like contracted, mm. um, you know, so in hindsight, just ask, inviting people to take a breath, you know, um, mm -hmm. and just bring a few moments of, of breathing and settling, mm -hmm. you know, would have been, would have been good. I can think mm -hmm. of many, many facilitation situations where that can be good, but especially yeah, good, sure. you know, especially good yeah. when. And I think, you know, that's the more, you know, the more we engage in this work and, and kind of go down these paths, I'm aware of how important the practices we have are, you mm -hmm. know, the, the things we're doing outside of, of our facilitation. So, you know, to the question of like, well, you know, what are the ways to get grounded? I think it seems like a lot of that is actually setting ourselves up for success, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, I think, you know, most of us probably do that anyways, when it comes to our work and, you know, especially if we're facilitating is trying to get a good night's sleep and make sure we're fed well and all those sorts of things so that we're, you know, we're feeling good. But like, I think there's, there's also the place of, you know, being in doing sessioning, um, being in conversations, yes. um, with others, um, you know, we had the benefit of 
taking a great program with our teachers at Holistic Resistance, um, Jenny Pearl and Dylan Wilder Quinn, um, what feels like for 14 years ago, I don't know when it was, it was a couple, yeah. years, a couple of years ago, <laughs> called Disrupting Our Whiteness. Um, and we did a lot of like role play in that program. That was really, really useful in, I think, um, creating kind of like some of the synopsis, like the, you know, do some of the brain wiring that helps create um, preparation for, for that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's a way of practicing and yeah, like you said, kind of getting the, the reps in, um, mm-hmm. for that. So it, yeah, I kind of, I want to back up though, to the, to the getting in your body and the practices and, you know, I took and taught yoga for years and I know you've been a long time yoga practitioner and I think there's a way in which white-bodied folks have an extra challenge for getting in their body. Not all of them. We're not a monolith either. And collectively as a group, because I, I, I was struck by, you know, you and I had the benefit also of doing core energetics work together, which is a um, therapeutic group practice. And I think, and I'd been, that was after 10, 12 years of yoga and I think it was really there that I started to feel what it was like to be in my body, right? So through mm, being able mm. to have a somatic practice that, you know, involved more physical practice, voice practice, you know, kind of non or non-word um, practices, and I feel like doing work with holistic resistance took that up or down <laughs> or deeper yet again yeah. where I feel like in some ways, yeah, there's just some different kinds of practices that white-bodied folks would would be well-served to, to practice to deepen it. Because I think the yoga stuff, I think there's more often than we think there is. At least I'll speak for myself. There was way more ground and body available to me than I ever thought. And I feel like mm. there's even more so. Still, yeah. uh, like for the rest yeah. of my life, I'll be learning and feeling how to get into my body. So I really do think it's a practice and it's multi-level, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate your naming that. I, I mean, it's one of the points Resma makes, and I've heard him make this point in interviews where he says it's not um, uplifting or like, encouraging news necessarily but he he will say he believes that we're we're numerous generations away from Mm. being able to end racism because specifically because white-bodied folks don't understand how it how it lives in their bodies and it will take it will take that long for for there to be the practices that actually get it so that we actually get it like and we grok it in a way that is um beyond the anything that a that a podcast can give us or anything that a book can give us or even really anything that our programs or similar programs can give like at a a deep level of understanding and i think part of that is exactly what you're describing the i I don't think white supremacy can can exist survive you know be what it is without without those who are 
you know, those of us who are in the oppressive bodies, um, disconnecting from our nervous systems and the pain of what it is to actually, to actually oppress someone. You can't, that's, that's why people get dehumanized, yeah. right? Is like, it, you can't, you can't oppress a full human being. So you have to dehumanize them and that can't, that has to come with a cost. Right. And, and, right. and I think that's part of the, that's part of the collective trauma story of white bodied folks is we're carrying the weight of that cost, you know, and the disconnection that that brings the heartbreak of that disconnection. I think, you know, you and I have both had different experiences with, you know, our, with our mentors where we've had conversations with them about like how heartbreaking it is that we, that there's this distance um, yeah. for yeah. this reason. And that is, that is, we can never pass it. It is completely insurmountable. Um, but we can get closer, you know, and it's, it is, it's real. I think it's a very real part of the, part of the work, you know, and it, and it reminds me of the other, one of the other pieces of feedback we got, right. Like was somebody talking about like the tension and the awkwardness and embarrassment that we, that we experience um, in this work and probably in lots of places, but definitely in this work and how do we actually work with that? And, you know, and I think that this question of like, how are we in our bodies and how are we dealing with that are so intertwined. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I want to back up again to, because uh, <laughs> it feels really important about, and I want to make sure I'm tracking it around the distance. You know, you mm -hmm. reference the distance that like we feel and that exists, you know, um, I, you know, I, I've felt it between, you know, me and Aaron or me and Portia and mm -hmm. the ways they've invited me to think about, you know, some of that's just, I don't know them very well. Um, and then there are also ways in which there is that collective white bodied, not knowingness that creates the distance from them. Is that, I'm assuming that's what you're talking about when you talk about the distance Am I mm -hmm. understanding that correctly? Yeah, I think there's that distance. And then just the, the general distance of the the fact that we are so far away from actually understanding it, like in our bodies. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think that distance can translate into a distance, yeah. you know, just be between, between us interpersonally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so I think I just wanted to slow that down. Um, mm -hmm which I think does connect into, you know, being with the discomfort of that and reaching anyway, you know, like reaching mm -hmm. for Aaron, um, which I haven't done in a while actually. And so now I'm sitting here thinking like, why is that, you know, um, um, you know, and reaching for Portia and reaching and missing and like just being, being in the conversation and being together in our relationship and what does it mean to be in relationship and, and, um, yeah. So I think, you know, to the other listener that asked us about the awkwardness and the tension and the embarrassment of, you know, trying to reach for one another in a different way. Um, yeah, just keep reaching. I mean, it's like the only, not the only, but such an important part of, I, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know what sentence, what to put there. Like that's an important part of, I almost said getting better. That's a piece of it. We as white-bodied mm. folks need to get 
better at reaching and better at holding. And by holding, I mean like really being present and holding stories and differences and hearts and minds and experiences really holding. But in some ways it's not about getting better either. Right. Yeah. It's about being or something. Yeah. And, and I mean, I do think it's, you know, I I think getting better, there's so many things to get better at. I think the Mm -hmm. way I think about it is I think that one of the most critical um, capacities that we need to develop as white bodied folks is to be in the miss, like to reach, to miss, and then to stay present with, with, with the aftermath of the miss, because mm-hmm. we are going to miss, we're going to make, make a mess of it. Um, there's zero chance of us getting this right. You know, like, um, you know, a hundred percent of the time, right. Um, we can, we can be in this work and, you know, we're just going to, we're going to keep missing. And I think, you know, one of the things I hear, I've heard from, from folks and I you know, know that you know, the folks I talk to don't speak for everyone, but I've heard a lot is, you know, the white folks who come, who show up and when things get hard or things drop off the front page, that's another one. <laughs> but like yeah. when things get hard, they disappear, you know, and you know, I know myself, the, the, I've, I've had the impulse to, to pick up and run, you know, I've had the impulse to, I've done it. I mean, I know I've actually done it. Like I've done it in my life, but one of the capacities I'm trying to develop for myself is to feel my shame, feel the embarrassment, feel the awkwardness, my own and the others, you know, whether that's another white person I'm sitting with or, you know, a person of color or some other um, identity and yeah, learn in the moment and not squirm and not turn away and develop that inner capacity to, to stay present. Um, and not and, need to be comforted, right? Well, so yeah, for you so can not, comfort yourself. Yeah. It's like, I will, I will process this. I will call Shannon. <laughs> you know, I will call right. somebody. I will do my thing down the road. But right now my job is to sit here and, and, like show, like show this person that I'm actually interested in them enough to like yes. care to like not leave, to not turn away. And, to, and that doesn't have to mean physically turn away, right? It can be emotionally, emotionally turn, away, turn away, you know, just turn off our listening, go into self-defense mode in our head and talk ourselves about how, what we meant and intention and all that stuff. Right. Um, I think it's, I think it's like an under, under um, uh, valued competency that we need to develop more of. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, as you were talking, I was thinking the reason I didn't want to use the word better. I agree. There is a lot we need to get better at. And my hesitation around using the word better had to do with that can also send us into one of the characteristics of white supremacy around perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're going to get it right. We're going to get it done. And then that'll be that. And the ways that that can not be helpful at all. So I think that idea of, you know, building our capacity to be, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the complexities of relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, I would say that's true universally all the way around. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah and, and the tie it back, so I know, because I know we're going to need to wrap here soon to tie it back to trauma story, right. Yeah. Is like, 
the recognition, and this is where I think it gets, this, this stuff gets really interesting and gets complex and messy is like the overlap of our own unique trauma story of like, where was I not heard? Where was I, you know, um, kept out? Um, where have I been right. the other? Where have I been, you know, how was maybe, maybe that's part of my background. Um, but then also the, the individual, the collective piece, right. And, and recognizing like in ways that, that, that lives in us and how it gets activated. Yeah. Chances are, if we're activated, if we're upset about, if something makes us so upset that we like, we actually feel anger in our bodies or we're, or we're frozen and we don't, we can't move. Chances are it's tied to something that actually isn't related to what's happening in the moment, you know, and another Resma Menicum favorite quote, if it's hysterical, it's historical. Mm, yes. <laughs> you know, which is <laughs> like, uh, it's, there's a lot yeah. going on here. It's probably not about what's here. Yeah. Right. He also says, um, unprocessed trauma in an individual can look like personality and Ooh. unprocessed trauma in a collective can look like culture. Right. And so that whole coming back to that whole idea of like, well, is that this is just who I am or this is just how things are here right, may actually tell us something more about what's going on and leaving the trauma piece out of the conversation about race um, seems like a huge mistake on all sides, like on all perspectives and from every consideration. Uh, whether well, it denies us of our humanity, right? I mean, yeah. ultimately, right. um, yeah. let's say that again, unprocessed trauma individually looks like personality can look like yeah. personality. So good to be with that. And then unprocessed mm -hmm. trauma collectively can look like culture. Mm -hmm. So I think there's so much to be with. And I, Resma Menicum's My Grandmother's Hands, you know, for looking at and being with and breathing and being in our bodies and getting good questions. I think some of the, to be with the discomfort and the tension is to keep doing the discovery work within ourselves, right. In the capacity mm -hmm. building and, mm -hmm. uh, me and white supremacy, Layla Saad, am I saying that correctly? I, th I think it's Saad, but Saad. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, we question. should find out. We will find that out <laughs> yes. ASAP. Uh, and her book amazing for if you're looking for ways to do this work and feel things and ponder things and do that deep dive. That's another great yeah. one. Yeah. One of the things that Resma says is we should do this together. Right? Yes. And we need to, to find spaces. He always asks that question, who are your people? Who are the people that you're going to be in these questions with wrestling with for the next 30 years, you know? Um, yep. yep. And, you know, it's one of the, one of the challenges, right? Is like in our busy lives, how do we create space for this kind of, um, this kind of work? So I have an answer I'm to that and I, cause we can end <laughs> on this great. And you know me, I, I can't help, but you know, want to have something to do and it's like, let's land the plane. Let's land so it. sessioning, you and I did an episode on sessioning yep. and the beautiful thing about sessioning is it takes 15 minutes, 15, come minutes. together, do some deep breathing, give yourself a good question, talk about it. Mm-hmm. Get some reflections. Do the same for another human. Yep. So send that episode so of, there you about go. sessioning. Send the episode about sessioning to a friend and say, "Listen yes. to this," and, and then, then do it. 
we're going to do it once a week. There we so, go. Well, I'm glad, Shannon. I'm glad to have you as one of the people that I'm going to be wrestling with this for the next 30 years. Um, Me too, Greg. And, and- uh, yeah. Well, I guess that's that's about as landed as this plane's going to get. So. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave this a little, we'll maybe uh, revisit trauma stories down the road. Um, oh, for sure. There's so much there. So maybe a good one to have Aaron come in and talk to us about and Portia and yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. All right. Great. Well, um, again, you know, Greg at connectionworks.com, Shannon at connectionworks.com. Check out our show notes. Check out the show notes. Um, Go to our Google forward forums. The podcast, forward the podcast, everybody. Um, thank you for listening and I look forward to connecting again soon. Thanks, Shannon. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Bye. Bye. Bye.